everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Uh, today I'm going to be looking at a book that I kind of chose as an intellectual break um, because I've been reading so many non-fiction books about you know Wicca and paganism and some pretty heavy-duty novels that are about like 500 pages long. I just wanted something quick, easy, palate cleansery, and to that end I picked from my ever-growing to-read pile The Thirteenth Sacrifice, uh, first in a series of novels called The Witch Hunt Novels, and it is written by a lady called Debbie, and then her last name I think is Vigue, but I'm definitely not saying that right. It's spelled V-I-G-U-I-E with a little accent over it, so I apologise already for getting that name wrong. Now I picked this up because I was looking for some more procedural crime novels that had witchy elements and the blurb is this. The past can kill. Samantha Ryan is plagued by nightmares. Horrific memories lie in wait of dark magic and crippling fear of strange creatures and blood-soaked walls because Samantha grew up in a witch's coven enslaved by power and greed. But now Samantha must go undercover to confront the horror of her terrible past and protect her hometown against a newly awakened heart of evil. Pretty gripping stuff. I didn't have a lot of expectations going into this book. The blurb doesn't really tell you if it's going to be magical realism or if it's going to be like straight up fantasy. And so when I cracked into it, I found that it was actually based on like fantasy witchcraft. Um, the book makes it clear that Wicca is distinct to witchcraft in fact it's portrayal of wicker is probably quite accurate it doesn't really say a lot about it but what it basically says is that it's an earth-centered religion that people practice and that the people who practice it aren't like real witches in the sense that samantha is and that they don't have like magic powers that's kind of the first and last thing that the book does define clearly and here we get into some of the more negative aspects chiefly among those is that the pace of the book is just wild it's like zero to 60 in no time at all for example like the first four or five murders take place in the opening 20 pages of the book and during that time samantha and her partner ed just kind of seesaw wildly from crime scene to crime scene body to body talking to witnesses one minute and then being called to the scene of a new dead body the next and it is quite confusing and hard to keep track at the opening of a novel when you're just trying to learn like the main characters names to be dragged to all these different crime scenes and be like oh this person and that person and that person and that person it was kind of like watching the opening of an episode of law and order but then someone had stapled onto it the opening of five other episodes of law and order and then made you watch it all at once and you were just like i don't understand what's going on but it's all very exciting and there's a lot of dead people so I'm going to keep reading, but I'm confused. Starting out from the opening, I wasn't really sure how much people knew about Samantha's past or what even specifically her past was, because we get the sense, like, we get told that she's adopted, and, and that's basically it. And then on page doo -doo -doo, seven, they are interviewing one of the uh, witnesses or suspects to the first murder. Uh, and she's talking to a girl called Katie about the murder of her roommate Camille. Samantha turned to Katie and studied her, taking in everything from the pentagram necklace to the crystal ring on her finger. Wiccan? What's with the get-up? Ed asked. I'm a witch, the girl said defiantly. Wannabe. Samantha suppressed the urge to roll her eyes. When is your coven meeting? I don't have one. I'm a solitary practitioner. What you are is full of crap, Ed said. You see my partner here? She is witch-dar. If you were a witch, I would have known it ten minutes ago. 
so aside from being just kind of mean towards Wiccans, it's not entirely clear from this whether Ed knows that Samantha is a witch, it transpires he does not, or if she just is known for being clued up on witchy stuff in general, which doesn't really make a huge amount of sense as what she knows about is witches and not Wiccans. So it's a little bit unclear and a bit confusing. Um, and because of the pace of the book, you're kind of left scratching your head about that for 30 seconds before, you know, the next thing happens that you're not entirely sure what it means. The basic opening set up part of the plot after all of the murders happen is that something is going down involving all these girls being sacrificed and it's up to Samantha to find out what is going on by going to investigate, you know, what's going on with a particular coven that seems to have resurfaced in her original hometown of Salem. And it seemed really weird to me that they were sending her undercover because they talk about her going there to, like, sniff around and see what's going on. But then they also start talking about her going undercover. And it just seemed strange to me that they would think that with something that's already this far gone, like, they've sacrificed, like, a bunch of people at this point, that they would just welcome in just a complete outsider who they didn't really know and that she would just go on and find them and that that would be the best way. I mean, I assumed she was just going to go to Salem and use magic to try and, like, track them down. But they push the undercover thing pretty hard and then they like, give her a different identity, although it is pretty shoddily constructed because basically everyone finds out that she's not who she says she is, like, straight away. Um, because it's just not that well put together they basically just give her a different last name but then her partner comes to meet her at a restaurant in that town to actually give her crime scene photos and it's like well this isn't like the best undercover operation you could have come up with you don't actually get the full story on Samantha's upbringing until page 74, which is quite a long way into the book for us to be finding about, you know, the central motivation of, like, the main character. So up until that point, I was kind of confused as to what the distinction was between witch and Wiccan in this book and what was going on and what the rules of this fantasy reality were, because you kind of need rules, otherwise people just keep pulling magical shit out of their asses when they get in trouble and there are no real stakes because you don't really know what people are actually capable of and sadly that's not really something that ever gets fixed um, the main character does bring like multiple people back from the dead from people who have like just died she kind of like shocks them back to life with her magic um to other people who are being raised from the dead as well and it's just like well I need to know what you can and cannot do with magic before I start getting emotionally invested in the peril that's going on. But around page 70, we find out a bit about her backstory and a bit about where she's coming from, which is pretty well written, pretty well done. There's definitely a mystery there because she was about like seven or something when the climactic evil thing happened to her coven and she was rescued and adopted to a lovely Christian couple. Um... She doesn't really remember a lot of what happened. Obviously, there are some pretty predictable things that you could think were going to happen because of the plot. I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, what I will say is that it seems a bit weird to me that she was seven when she stopped being raised by a coven and has then not practiced witchcraft at all since. And yet, by about halfway through the book, she's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with really powerful witches and throwing spells around like she was completely born to it. Um... 
which given that you know she doesn't really remember um a large amount of her childhood it turns out and is revealed throughout the book it seems a little bit hard to believe that she would cling on to the memories of these powers that she never planned to use again especially because they don't seem to just involve like just using telekinesis or whatever just where you focus your mind on something they actually seem to involve like actual spell components and like remembering how to set up a particular spell so it's just a little strange it it kind of stretched my disbelief just a tad that she was just slipping back into the old role on the subject of her adoptive parents they are in fact christians um this is talked about like a lot throughout the novel basically when she was seven she found god um with the help of her adoptive parents and wears a special crucifix which she actually loses at the beginning of the book because she wants to be as far away from the evil of witchcraft as possible and i get it because in the book a lot of the witches are practicing a lot of evil shit but it's not really explained why they are doing that or if that is the only way to be a witch because the definition of witch seems to be someone who is born a witch with these innate powers and that doesn't necessarily make you evil even if you come from like an evil family like an evil family like a family that draco malfoy's family would kind of look at sideways at brunch and go so evil so it's not really that clear as to whether all witches are evil or if it's just this particular group and she's had a bad time of it and then when she meets other people in this new coven that sprung up they seem to be just like normal people who've been kind of suckered into joining um some of them are like wiccans some of them are uh, just like random normal people who needed magic to do something in their life it's kind of briefly talked about but it's not clear if they have this innate power because you don't really see them use it at all so i've got more confused just about as to who was actually a witch and what that actually meant which is kind of like my central confusion with the whole book um because it's moving so fast like a really breakneck fucking speed that you just don't get to put a finger on a lot of the definitions and a lot of the ideas behind the text now despite the fact that there are some like instances where i didn't really know what was going on or some of the finer points the plot is actually quite interesting it rallies along at like a really fast pace and it never really hits like a boring point because there's always action going on stuff's blowing up people are dying just when you like turn another page whoops there's another murder and it like it keeps going it builds up the tension quite nicely because you get the feeling that there's a lot at stake I also really wanted to find out what it was that Samantha couldn't remember about the night that her coven all got murdered and she was the only survivor. Um, So that kept me interested, as did the mystery of who the high priestess of the new coven was, which was kind of like a a main mystery towards like the second half of the book. I will say that the book does suffer at times from some quite weirdly funny schlocky dialogue uh for example from page 98 the dead pigs toppled onto their sides the frogs lay silent samantha grabbed a fire extinguisher off the wall by the teacher's desk and snuffed out the flames in the silence that followed she could hear only her heartbeat and katie's labored breathing she waited for a moment where were the others she could sense no other energy spikes in the building so after a moment she turned to katie samantha dropped her knees beside the fallen girl katie don't you die on me which 
I actually had a little bit of a giggle at that, and which was not well received because I was in a public place. But it, it it made me laugh so much that she can hear Katie breathing and everything seems fine and she's got the time to like get a fire extinguisher and put out fires and then think about where the others are. And then she turns around and she's like, you're on the brink of death! Ah, CPR! It just... I don't know why. It just tickled me. Tickled me. Silly. So aside from the kind of unclear explanations, the sort of schlocky dialogue and some of the ridiculous situations... Uh, the one other thing that I found kind of annoying is the fact that occasionally, like, two pages of the main character, Samantha, thinking or justifying her actions ahead or after the point of actually making them kind of rears its ugly head. And there's just not really much need for it. She kind of has a wobble. Um, there's a point where she has to be part of a ritual with... Um, the evil coven and she has to drink a goblet full of blood and they're killing some people and she has a, a wobble because she doesn't really want to participate but then she kind of justifies it to herself because she's like well they're already off somewhere killing this person I don't know where that is and I couldn't get there to save them I have to drink this blood because I have to stay with this coven and I have to find out what they're planning and if I don't do this they'll probably kill me and it's like, well, I mean, I can infer quite a lot of that. You don't need to beat me over the head with it. Uh, we don't really need the rationale for this. And she does it quite a lot, especially when she's talking about, like, the main, like, love interest character. She has to have these internal arguments with herself about whether or not she can tell him various things about herself. And it's like, I'm, we get it. We get why you're keeping it a secret, because it's not something you really want to discuss right now. But we don't need to have like two pages out of every chapter devoted to you talking about how maybe you should tell him and maybe you shouldn't when we all know you're not going to tell him. On the flip side of that, we have moments where it seems that the author just kind of wanted Samantha to act like a badass without really thinking about how Samantha has sworn off being an evil witch and doesn't want to take even one tiny half step down the path of being evil. So right at the beginning of her undercover stint, which actually doesn't even start kicking off until after page 100, which is like nearly a third of the way into the book. So it's quite like a, I would say slow to start, but a lot of people were dead by this point, but kind of slow to get to the, the main part of the plot. She goes to a tattoo artist to have a special tattoo that her coven that she was born to all had and that she had previously. Um, and the tattoo artist recognises it because he's put this tattoo on other people. Uh, and so she makes him like do the tattoo on her. And she doesn't ask him, you know, who were these other people you tattooed with it recently? And, you know, where did they come from? What did they look like? What she does is this. She needed to find out what he knew about the symbol. She took a deep breath and thought about her mother and what she would have done to get the information she wanted. Samantha grabbed him by the throat and slammed him into the wall. Tell me where, where you've seen one of these tattoos, she hissed. I can't. She'll kill me. And what do you think I'll do to you if you don't? She asked, squeezing her fingers tighter around his throat. She hasn't even asked the poor bloke one straight up question. Like, maybe he would have been happy to just tell her. I mean, I mean, from the level of resistance he's putting up here, he probably wouldn't have just told her. But she could have at least asked before she went as far as just, like, grabbing him and then, like, strangling him. And then, like, on the next page, she waves her hands and he thinks that his arms have burst into flame and starts screaming and falls on the floor. And it's like, for someone who put up, like, 
two chapters worth of resistance about even going to Salem and pretending to be an evil witch. You're doing a lot of evil stuff that you don't even have to do because no one's watching you right now. Do you see what I mean? It's very odd. This next part isn't even just a random point. It's just on page 280. And it's a line that made me laugh. Or, well, a series of lines that made me laugh. Who sent you? She demanded as she pressed a knee to the throat of the one nearest to her. We're going to kill you, the other one hissed, raising a hand. Not if I kill you first. Four of her mongooses leapt on the witch's face. The witch screamed, and Samantha touched her leg, sending a blast of energy to fry her vocal cords. If I could sum the book up in one passage, that is the passage that I would choose. It's kind of vaguely ridiculous, kind of cliche, very kick-ass, but also very pacey and very action-packed. As for the ending, I'm going to try and keep it as spoiler-free as possible. It does have a rather surprising reveal at the end, um, which I did really enjoy, did not see coming at all, and I was like, hooray, finally, a book has surprised me. Unfortunately, it kind of proceeds to ruin that reveal by getting quite Scooby-Doo-ish about the whole thing. Um, like, when you say, it was Old Man Smithers all along, that's quite shocking and surprising. Saying, it was Old Man Smithers all along, and you didn't know because six weeks ago he paid six ex-cons to make him a mask from a special colour-blended rubber, and then he hid in a hedge for 40 minutes on the first day you met him to make you think he lived to the north, but actually he's from the south. It just gets too confusing and over-explained, and it doesn't have the same punch. Not to mention that the reader should have some clues about that happening, like, earlier on, I guess crumbs of rubber or a man-sized hole in the hedge. Also what annoyed me about the reveal is that it's technically done twice. Uh, Samantha finds out that a character she previously met is actually someone impersonating a victim who is dead but then in the next scene she doesn't bring this up to the people who are on that person's protective detail like they should maybe know that the person they think is gone missing is actually super evil. But then in the middle of a fight to the death later on where she's trying to defend this person uh it gets revealed again and she acts like she didn't know which is very odd and kind of made me feel like maybe a section of the story had been copy pasted to a different section uh in the first draft and then no one had really picked up on the fact that the reveal now happens twice there's also a lot of aha but you see you fool in the book uh things are brought in and then explained after the fact like sudden leaps of judgment that just turn out to be right but there was no basis on which to make them uh for example um this is a spoiler so close your ears Samantha correctly guesses that she is linked to the big bad demon that everyone keeps trying to summon and then she thinks that she can use this connection to turn that monster against her enemies and this works but she has nothing to base that idea on. It just kind of comes to her at a point in the story when it would be super convenient for her to have a pet monster to unleash on people. Also in that same scene, there's the big demon that they're trying to summon, but there's also a hellhound type thing that has been summoned to keep her and the rest of the good guys in check. But they're kind of conflated into one thing because she says that she has a connection to the demon they're trying to summon, but then she turns the hellhound against them and not the massive demon that they're trying to summon, which doesn't actually get summoned anyway. So who the fuck even knows? It, it just got very confusing and messy and schlocky towards the end. Although, like, the main plot is kind of tied up, there are some trailing threads that lead us into a sequel land. I have checked and there are actually two books after this in the Witch Hunt series. Uh, and I have purchased both of them because let me tell you for why. The trailing ends that we have are that the big bad high priestess had a mentor and apparently they're still out there somewhere, but their identity is a secret. 
We also don't know who Samantha's dad is because she never met him. He could still be alive. He could be the mentor. We don't know. Also, the big book of evil demon summoning was swiped by someone or someone's unknown at the end of the book. And we don't know where it's gone or who's going to try and use it next. So that's all left open. Also, we don't really know what happened at the demon summoning originally, which killed Samantha's entire coven and left her as the only survivor. So there are some pretty big mysteries that need to be solved. And to be honest, I care enough about them that when I saw that I could get both books for a total of five pounds, I was like, yeah, you know what? I, I might read these because they're really quick reads and I kind of want to know what happens. The issues that I have with the writing being very overexcited and a bit first drafty and a bit schlocky in places. Underneath all that, there is at least a good story and I can forgive quite a lot of things if I'm actually interested in the story. It's when the story's bad and the writing's bad, I just can't be dealing with it. But a good story can make up for a couple of the things that I have talked about in this review. And I'll let you know when I get the sequels how good they are, if they have improved in terms of writing, and what the story is like as well. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. You can get in touch in the usual way, which is Twitter at WitchFix or email, which is WitchFixPodcast at gmail.com. And also don't forget to check out the Amazon wishlist for the podcast. New stuff is going on that all the time because I keep finding things and being worried that I'll forget about them. So check that out soon and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!